Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I was at a place where I was really struggling in my own personal life. So I was almost kind of like putting myself through his hero's journey. And in that way, sort of allow me to, okay, I'm going to, what's my work ethic? What is a way that I can regroup and have a focus and have a goal? What is my version of winning a championship? And this was all happening before I even found acting or got into acting. But in a way, it, it taught me what empathy and almost kind of like accessing someone else's life means. I hate this podcast <laughs> because you're making me appreciate a longtime villain of mine. Claire, can you hear it? I, I can. I hear what? <laughs> it's a stadium full of podcast listeners loving our podcast because today <laughs> we're getting a little athletic. Hi, Claire Kramer. Hello, David Magnoff. How are you? I am doing wonderfully. I'm getting pumped. Pumping up the jams with a little uh, sportsy, sportsy theme going on for today because we have a wonderful guest. A little NBA theme. Da 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 da. da. Well, we're gonna do that later too, so that's a double dose. Guys, we have on Mr. James Kyson today. Yes, you know James from, of course, Heroes. He I played him Ando. In Heroes. In the most amazing acclaim series that we all mm -hmm. love and adore. Uh, and you have seen him just this last year uh, in Yes Day. And of course, Lovecraft Country. And Preacher. And Preacher. Uh, also, great, great show. You are the you are the Michael Jordan uh, aficionado between the two of us. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I, I do love the man. You know, I mean... <laughs> and so does James Kyson because so he loves James. <laughs> Michael Jordan videos, all kinds of videos. We're talking like DVD to VHS to YouTube. He just drinks them in. Uh, and we're not going to talk about any of the wonderful projects that he's been in because that's not how we do. How we do is how, how we do. Michael do. How Michael do. <laughs> how Michael, uh, number 23. That that's was the what campaign, we do right? In this how house. Michael do. Not be like Mike. How Michael do. How Michael do. <laughs> That's it. I'd say it's a slam dunk. <laughs> well, I won't try to top that. Let's go ahead and listen to the episode. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. At Fanatics, we love to celebrate what people are passionate about. Um, yeah, Claire it, and I love people who love people and yes. love things and love ideas and love Exactly. So I am curious, James, tell us, what are you fanatical about? So I've been fanatical about Michael Jordan since, I want to say, my teenage years. So the first time I saw him play was, uh, he was playing for the Chicago Bulls. And I Dude, think, yeah. I love you because I was a huge Bulls fan in this era with Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr and This and is literally Scottie the Pippen fabric of my childhood. This is what I grew up on. So first time I saw a Bulls game, I think... My dad, you know, had it on television and I don't even know if he was like a, a, a basketball fanatic, but he happened to run a, uh, a sneaker store, like a mom and pop version of Foot Locker, right? Uh -huh. So he knew a lot about sneakers and, and, and he always told me, okay, Air Jordans are like considered like the gold standard for sneakers. They're the most expensive. They're the most like in demand, you know, and um so so and so he'll point out so that's Michael Jordan that's who the shoes are named after and right now he's the best player in the NBA and it was my first time seeing him and he was so athletic and he was jumping and dunking and like flying and I'm like this guy's like superman right and then 
literally shortly after that is when the Bulls started going to the finals every year. And this was when I was just going into high school. So it was like all over TV and I was just getting into basketball for the first time, right? And we had moved to Riverdale, New York, because uh, I was going to high school in the Bronx. And we happened to live right in front of a, a park, right, where there were basketball courts. So, and this was when NBA was on NBC. And I remember, like, the theme song. Right? And the great Marv Albert, right, was, like, always the commentator, right? Like, here comes Jordan. Yes! And it counts, you know? And so those are just, like, literally, like, imprinted in my mind. And so we will watch the games and then go out into the park and just trying to, like, recreate the moves. And, you know, this is in the 90s, before social media, before, like, really internet, right? So you either had to watch things live or, like, had to tape it on VHS. On VHS right? tapes, yes. So that's what we would do. And then we would rewind, replay, rewind, replay. And um, I had a best friend named Charlie in high school. And we would literally try to watch the games together. We would play out in the park. And then time is so like, okay, this is when the pre-show is going on. There's about three minutes of, like, when they're interviewing, talking. And then we would literally, like, run into my house as, like, they were tipping off. And then, and then halftime, we'll go out into the park again and try to get like 30 minutes of like, you know, shooting around and, and then come back. It was like, so this is literally like, that's when the obsession began. I love it because he is, I mean, Michael Jordan is such an amazing athlete. And just, I mean, just yesterday I bought my kid Air Jordans. I mean, mm -hmm. he's so iconic and the longevity has just been there. Was it the fact that you were also participating in the basketball, you know, like trying to replicate the moves or or was it just his pure athleticism that kind of drew you to him? So I think there was a lot of things going on. Uh, I was growing up in New York City, right? We had moved around and... I still so, don't know how you're not a Knicks fan in all this. Well, so check, so check it out. Look, <laughs> I grew up I, in Jersey. Like yeah, I, I yeah. like Jordan, but how are you not like Patrick Ewing? Look, I always supported the Knicks because I was a New Yorker. They were right? good then too. And... The Bulls and Knicks were like the biggest rivalry. They were. Right? So it was like me as a fan, of course, I'm supporting the Knicks. But me as a true basketball fan, I'm like, the Bulls are going to win because they're just better. <laughs> right? But I'm, I'm always hoping for a great series. You'll go to game sevens. And look, I, New York, I, I, I have a lot of love for the Big Apple. But just the Knicks just always had, they haven't won a championship since they the were 70s. Good then. Well, they the were fun, good. It's so funny and, that you picked the one period of time, especially as a teenager, where the Knicks were actually okay with uh, John Starks and but they Oakley. Didn't they had Patrick Ewing, but they didn't have a Michael Jordan. I mean, no there, one and had there Michael was... Jordan. No, I get it. If you do pick, you literally pick the greatest basketball player of all time. So you're forgiven on that, but it's just so funny. Well, it was also during a time where, okay, so my family lived in South Korea for 10 years, right? And when I was growing up there, and I didn't even remember this, but my mother told me recently that I played Little League in South Korea. So baseball was my first sport, and I loved being part of a team sport. And so I wanted to continue that when we moved. But in New York City, uh, you know, we're an immigrant family, and we were just kind of trying to survive and get our footing. So I didn't get to play any team sports when we were growing up in New York. And, you know, I didn't get to go to baseball camp. I didn't get to join a basketball team. Uh, there was really no one around to sort of teach me any new sport. So I remember the high school that I went to, they didn't have a football team, but they had three ultimate Frisbee teams, okay? And this was the first time, like, me even learning what ultimate Frisbee was. So I tried out, and I kind of, like, got in as, like, a, a, a walk-on. and and But it, I wasn't good because it's it, it just... A walk-on for the ultimate Frisbee team? <laughs> yeah, 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 because it was that, com it was that wow. competitive. They had three teams, and I think I was, like... I was almost like in a trial period for like the division three, like <laughs> of the three, right? Like like there was like the A and the B and like the C and uh, or, or it was E or because I think they, they even had a girls team, which was awesome. And it was like uber competitive, but I just, it was a new sport. I wasn't very good, uh, but I just remember wanting to be part of a team sport, just really wanting that. And at the time I didn't really have sort of like an older male figure in my life, you know? Like my dad was pretty much absent. I didn't have an older brother. And and so I think me wanting to desire being part of like a team dynamic and wanting like a model, role model male figure. So he was just, he like He's really kind of filled in that place for me. 
Well, mm-hmm. I also feel like Knicks versus Bulls, like the Bulls were a team. Other than their center, what was their center's name? Bill Wedding, Bill Weddington? Well, it started Bill, with Bill Cartwright and then went Bill, to Luke Longley the and then they had right. like a three and that they had they a three headed monster. They never had a good monsters. center, but, it, it, but point is they had everything else. I mean, the relationship between Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, the relationship between Phil Jackson and those guys, mm-hmm. the relationship between Steve Kerr, who was the ultimate like three point shooter yeah. in the league probably ever, that was like... I I feel like you're saying like that that solidified your love for that team versus the Knicks, which were just kind of like they didn't have that family type feeling. Yeah, and like I mean, Bunch they of were thugs. What, <laughs> and look, thugs. look when they did come together, they they were a very formidable team for for those couple of years, and they ended up going to the finals after Jordan retired for the first time. But something about the Bulls, I think even the narrative of it, it was so cinematic. Because Jordan really kind of lived out. He was like a living life hero's journey, yeah. like unfolding yeah. in front of people's eyes. And even me, this was before like I was in acting, where I knew anything about storytelling. Like you could just feel his life was it was so cinematic in nature how he had to like overcome so many different obstacles. He was beat down by the Pistons year after year, four years in a row, and then learned how to become from like an, a great individual player to like how to become a team leader. And then they started going to the finals every year and he literally beat everybody, like all his peers that he was competing with. He had to, it was almost like a video game Kind of like a Bruce Lee movie where he had to kind of like go on different levels and beat different bosses. That was like Jordan's life. It was like Wreck-It Ralph on the basketball court. Exactly, right? He had to first beat the Pistons. Then he had to go, he had to beat the Cavs. Then he had to go through the Knicks. And then every final series, he had to face like a new super opponent, you know? It's like the Avengers. It's like... It it was so movie-like in nature that you couldn't (laughs) help but follow it. And you're like you're almost like reimagining your life in his shoes. I remember him playing one of the final games. I don't know if it was like 95 or, you know, it was one of those, one of the like final, final playoff games. And he was, you maybe remember this game. He was so sick and he was so dehydrated and and he had the Gatorade contract at the time. And I remember you just looked at him and he just like was, he, it was a high, he was a high point winner for that game I think he yeah, scored yeah, in the yeah, 30s yeah, 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 yeah. you know 37 yeah, points or something yeah. and he literally like afterwards they like basically had to carry him off and then they were like yeah and Gatorade did the trick like yeah. <laughs> you know he's just amazing Claire how did you hold on Claire how did you get so into Michael Jordan well that's not the story here. I know but like you're I'm this is this is, this is... I love basketball I love greatness Mm-hmm. I love someone mm-hmm. who is at the pinnacle of their profession you know and and I think that was it even though I was I was a teenager, I think I recognized this combination of someone who was uber talented and really outworked everybody because I I was mostly attracted to his work ethic, you know, mm-hmm. and his six in the morning workouts. And there were the tri-captains, him, Scottie Pippen, and, and later Ron Harper. But these guys will get together and work out every day, which is a practice that I've sort of adapted into my life today. I was working out with, you know, other peers and, and kind of starting the, the morning that way. And he really, I, I, I could see sort of the arc and the trajectory of him really trying to do things by himself, trying to take over and then failing and then learning these lessons of like, I could only win if we work together as a team and everybody's superpowers or gifts are elevated to max, if they're maximized. So then guys like John Paxson and Steve Kerr and these role players who are really good at certain things, he, I think he was able to get to a place where- He made them better. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to make sure that they're highlighted, you know? So I remember every final series, there was some kind of dramatic narrative that was involved, and he always won in some kind of dramatic fashion. Oh, absolutely. Whether it was like, I I so remember, again, one one of these games where at the very end, they had this thing where he- Passed the ball to Steve Kerr, and again he like sunk mm-hmm. the three pointer, yeah. and they won by one. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And yeah. It, I feel like you're totally right on with everything. Was it was just so cinematic. Yeah, and not only that. So the first time he retired, he retired at 30, like literally at the peak of his sport yeah. and at the prime of his career. He could have played for you know several more seasons. So it was a shock. Well, yeah, now, were you super followed, bummed? Well, I was super bummed. And what had happened is he's actually Jordan's father was murdered. That tragedy really prompted him to kind of like take a step back, reflect and 
and then so he retires and then pursues baseball, which is a sport he hasn't played since high school, right? My first love, my first sport. So then he, oh. and I don't know if you guys ever seen the ESPN documentary 30 for 30, but there's a one called so Jordan good. Rides the Buzz. And it really shows basically the, the year and a half between his two playing days, right? Where he literally started over from like a beginner's place. He rides the bus with everybody and literally had to kind of, you know, be the first one to show up at batting practice. And he had to work twice as hard as everybody else who's been playing for 10, 15, 20 years. Right. And and when he started, he was considered terrible. You know, he couldn't bat his own weight. And it was super humbling. You know, he had made some uh, errors in the field. And then literally about, you know, six months later, 12 months later, he had his first home run. And he, he started getting better and better. And you saw how fast he caught on to... And even on a minor league level playing baseball, like these guys are like really amazing. You know, they're like collegiate athletes who are now getting paid yeah. to play baseball now on a much humbler level than playing in major league baseball. I'm a huge Mets fan and I'm following Tim Tebow in our in our, you know, organization. And it's yeah. wild to see how humbling he's get. But like he's doing oh he's on some levels, terrible, but it's, it's fascinating to see these people who used to do one sport trying to do another sport and getting very humbled. Yeah. Exactly. And then now talk about the most famous guy in the world, not just an yeah, athlete, the in the world. The, at the yes. time, most famous person well, and, in the world. And, the and under criticism for retirement. Minor league organization. You know, yeah, from yeah. basketball, under yeah. people didn't understand. You and know? got made fun of, like Sports Illustrated, which used to champion him you know, on all these covers, kind of featured him playing baseball and making an error, right? Air Jordan, I think, E-R-R, like, I think that was the cover. So, was made fun of, was criticized, but still worked at it. And when baseball went on strike, came back to basketball, right? And then he was rusty. And then fifth game back, who does he play? The Knicks at Medical Square Garden. I remember watching that game live because he was so, like, I had butterflies, and I was like almost like nervous for him. And he was again playing my, you know, my my home team, the New York Knicks. The rivalry is kind of the the, the tension and dynamic is still there. And he scores 55 points, the the most points scored MSG at at the time up until that point. So and yeah, everyone else comes to the garden and scores the most points. No, never is there a Nick team that scores <laughs> most. The garden is always for everyone else. But <laughs> even the way he came back, you know, the first game back, I think they played Indiana. Like he scored like 18 points or something and, and then lost his third game. Fourth game, he scores 30 and, and scores his first game winner again against Atlanta, you know, and almost like you could feel him kind of like warming up to the Knicks game because you know everybody was going to watch that. Oh, yeah. One. You know, it was MSG. The Knicks were still good and it was like... Uh, you got were, Spike Lee sitting there. Exactly. You got, yeah. well, we, like, and we, we finally playoff. went to the finals because he was out of the league. Exactly. The year before exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, the Bulls would have won probably a straight. Yes. You know? So, and it comes back. He They lose to the Magic in the playoffs, right? And then they pick up Rodman in the offseason. And I remember him saying, like, I threw away the golf clubs and I had to go back to work again, starting from the basics, you know, chop wood, carry water. And then what happens? Next year, it's the greatest NBA season ever, 72-10. What do you think someone like Michael Jordan, what do you think makes them up as a person differently than you or me? Because in theory, you're right. It's about the work ethic. It's about the leadership ability. It's about the congealing of the players and the team. It's about that he's a natural born leader. But what is it like about someone like him that makes him so in a way accessible and, and in a way so elite? Well, here's a narrative that I think a lot of people can relate to, right? He talks about trying out for his high school basketball team and being cut and not making him. So he used that as a motivation. Yeah, he was. Right? That, that's the thing. He wasn't like LeBron, where he, everyone knew in high school he's going to be the biggest thing. He like barely made it to North Carolina. Yeah, there was. And a, then it's like, oh, he won a championship. There with was them. a. Maybe there was this a, guy's pretty great. There was a, a trajectory that you saw just even from early on making that game-winning shot at the UNC game, right when he was a freshman, right, and then coming into the NBA and was considered like this hot shot and almost like leading the league in scoring as a rookie, rookie of the year. He gets iced out in his first All-Star game as a rookie because they kind of considered him cocky and whatnot, right? He loses the slam dunk contest, comes back three years later, faces Dominique, and he wins it, right? And then now he starts getting all these accolades like All-Star MVP, regular season MVP, scoring titles, but he's losing year after year to the Pistons. And now people are like, well, 
he's he's selfish. He can't win. He leads the league in scoring. So and then and then he puts the team together, and the Bulls started winning year after year, year after year. Retires, loses, gets humble, comes back, and then win, and then go and then wins three in a row again in such dramatic fashion. He's the only guy that's ever gone to the final six times and is undefeated. No one's done that. LeBron doesn't have that record. Kobe doesn't have that record. So, and the way he finishes, I mean, his Washington Wizard days is kind of like almost like an afterthought, but the way he finished his career with the Bulls, even that, I remember watching that no, game absolutely. live, right? 23 points in the first half. It's like, I'm a fan of numerology and even those things, 23 points 20, in the first number half. Number 23, right? 23 45 points. 45 points for the game, which was his other number that he wore when he first came back. Right. And then he makes the game winning shot and it's against the Utah Jazz. And I remember when they won the game six of his last NBA championship, I was so it was like when you've watched the greatest movie ever and you kind of have to like process. I literally had to go for like an hour walk because I was so infused. I was so hit with so many emotions of watching this happen that I, I literally had to, and I had to process for like days. That's how much it hit me, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is that is to me, and you know, people can argue the difference between being a fan of science fiction or entertainment and being a fan of sports and, you know, but that to me is art. When someone is so good and so profound at what they do that you are ignited on the inside. Yeah, and I would even argue that this experience is sort of what, it was kind of my access point into acting because what I was doing is I was literally living out his life through my own lens in a way. So I wasn't just watching him as like, you know, the way you just kind of enjoy basketball as an entertainment and then, oh, of course he's a celebrity, he's an icon. Like for me, what I was doing, I, I think because I was at a place where I was really struggling in my own personal life. So I was almost kind of like putting myself through his hero's journey. And in that way, sort of allowed me to, okay, I'm going to, what's my work ethic? What is a way that I can regroup and have a focus and have a goal? What is my version of winning a championship? And this was all happening before I even found acting or got into acting. But in a way, it, it taught me what empathy and almost kind of like, accessing someone else's life means. I hate this podcast because you're making me appreciate a longtime villain of mine. So I hate that that this podcast exists even because now I'm appreciating Michael Jordan. How are you doing this to me, James? If we get someone else on with Tom Brady, I'm like, I'm going to, as a Jets fan, I'm going to go crazy. But well, I'm, now, yeah. now, now I'm appreciating well, well, someone that I hated my entire life. That's the beauty of sport. You are so into him and it's beautiful. Dude, that's the, that's, that's, that's the beauty of sport, right? Is I that, know. Is that, that, that we, we stand for our teams. Yeah, but you know what? Jordan also had a lot of haters. You know I, what I mean? I, yeah, you know? I'm one of them. And, 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 I mean, look, same thing happened with Kobe, right? Kobe, when he was playing, was a very polarizing player. I was a fan of Kobe, but there were a lot of conversations that, and, and there were times during when Kobe was playing that I'm like, man, Kobe is selfish. He's not, that's not how you win basketball games. But after you found out a lot more about his personal life and what he was doing after basketball career, a lot of a lot more became fans, you know. Through oh, this with the Mamba like, Academy and everything, yeah. it's like it's really amazing. And obviously, you know, the city is still reeling from his recent death. Mm -hmm. But it has been a chance to educate. I feel like yeah. about what he stood for in the second half of his life and career. Yeah, you know, the, after the court. Two years. I think this is what's interesting about athletes and team sports just in our zeitgeist in general is that, and I think this is a century-long human evolution thing where we like to be part of a tribe. We like to stand for something. And there's always been this notion of healthy competition. One time I think I looked at the word, the origin of the word competition, and they said when it actually began, it was an idea of people uh, competing or opposing each other or providing an oppositional force to elevate your craft. Mm -hmm. So so really the big picture, the intent behind competition and sports and the Olympics was so that we can become better at things by providing a resistance to one another. It was, so it was like a collaborative 
intent of I'm going to make you better, you're going to make me better, and we're going to kind of provide some tension and opposition and obstacles to each other so that we can kind of like elevate together. And I think, I think it touches upon a very primal essence in our core. And I think this is why people get so passionate about sports. And there's obviously different levels of fandom, right? And like sometimes you go and you're in the arena and you're just like screaming your face out for your team, but you don't even know really why you're so like obsessed or involved did, in it. Did you watch the Michael Jordan tribute to Kobe during his uh, celebration? Yeah. That was beautiful. I'm oh. just talking about he would text and call him. Michael always made a joke. He, he's like, he's so annoying, but he would call and text like at 2 a.m. at 3 a.m. like saying, hey, my girl, she's 12. You know, how can I learn from you and what can we, you know, give her? And he's like, I was playing baseball at 12, but he yeah. was just crying throughout that. He, he loved Kobe's uh, needling and his his sense of drive. And, that and that was super touching. And I got to say, so I did end up having a personal experience with Michael. So You got oh to my meet gosh. him? Yeah, so I got to meet him. Oh. And this was, I want to say, so 2008, this was during second season of Heroes. The writer's strike happened, right? And then I... And you turned to baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 and I just remember at the time, I had one film that I was going to go film in Lake Tahoe. But, you know, because the writer's strike happened, all of a sudden our schedule was open. My schedule was open. And then I get a call from my publicist at the time. And she's like, do you play golf? I was like, I mean, I have a set of golf clubs. I think I've been to the driving range once. It's like, well, they would love to invite you to play in the, the Jordan Classic. And Jordan Classic is a charity golf tournament that that Michael hosted every year. It was televised on ESPN and literally like the who's who of athletes and celebrities playing this thing. Oh and a lot my of people gosh. are great. So literally I'm frozen, right? I almost <laughs> dropped the phone and I said, I will learn golf, <laughs> right? But literally it was like happening like a week later. You right. know? So what I've been told was that he, he, he was a fan of the show. So that's why I was like, how does he even know who I am? Right. You know, so that's how I got invited. So I have this surreal experience and I wouldn't even go into like literally first time flying on a private jet and like there was like all these black celebrities on the plane like people that i grew up watching and i'm like like i'm just like pinching myself i'm like i don't even know how i'm here and it was in the bahamas okay at oh the what is that famous resort in the bahamas the atlantis the atlantis they were hosting it at the atlantis the giant pink hotel yes yes, yes. so you literally get to stay for, there for like a week or a week and a half. You flew in a private jet with these right? amazing celebrities. And the girl that I was dating at the, at the time, because I, I got to bring a plus one. So she's like, oh my God, Bahamas? Yes. So she comes with me and like we check in and they gave all of us like these sweets. I can't even tell you like the money that it must have gone in to just host yeah. these guests. And I don't even play golf. Okay. So... It was like one of those like fantastical experiences that you're like, I, don't, I can't even believe this is happening. You, you check into your suite and you're literally like facing like the ocean. The suite was probably <laughs> as big as my condo, I, I think. You know what I mean? And so they have all these different events planned. You know, like there's a schedule, like there's like a charity brunch. And then, oh, there's a dinner for everybody where Michael and It's like is. the best week of summer camp ever. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this was With like- Michael Jordan Yeah, this was like you're gonna in meet. January, but like- uh, like in the Bahamas, it's tropical weather. And I just remember the gala dinner, like the one of the first nights that you arrive, you check in, you settle in, and you come down. And I was sitting next to another athlete, you know? Now, I didn't recognize him, so I was like, hey, what are you doing, what do you play? I believe his name was Jimmy Rollins, and he said, I play for the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, yeah, now, my, famous now my, shortstop. My dad, he, he lives and works in Philly for the past 25, 30 years, you know? So I've spent a lot of time in Philly helping him out. So I was like, oh my God, I was there in Philly when the Phillies went to the World Series, played the Jays, they lost, but you know, it was like a really, you know, like very exciting time in Philadelphia. And so we started talking and yada. Later I found out he wins MVP of that baseball season. I didn't even know who I was sitting next to, right? Unbelievable. It, it, right? Him and his wife. So even working in Hollywood, I've never been sort of starstruck by quote unquote other movie stars, whatnot, because I think I don't know, because this is also my profession, they always felt like peers rather than celebrities. Right. But athletes are people that I grew up watching and idolizing, right? So I literally see people, like I see Ken Griffey, I see Derek Jeter, wow. I see Dr. J, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm just like, 
You're like, my what is going on my here? Mind is, <laughs> my mind is blown. And I remember my girlfriend at the time said this to me. She said, we were in mid-conversation and I literally just stopped. And she says she's never seen this happen to me. We've been like to the Golden Globes party or whatever. And I, like, I just stopped in mid-sentence because I saw Michael walk down. Him and his now wife, but his girlfriend at the time, literally like he's where David is, like four feet front of me. And he's looking around. He says, you know, what do you want to sit, baby? You know, he's talking to his girlfriend. And then they end up going to where Dr. J is sitting. You know, I think it is with his wife. So he joins that table. And I was like, uh, Lisa, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I, I got to go say hello to him and say thank you. You know what I mean? So I muster up the courage. And this was literally like, I don't even remember how I did this, but like, you have to understand, you know, going back to this fanaticism, I've literally had and watched every single video that he was ever in, right? So it started with flashing back to, you know, my high school days, right? Me and my best friend, Charlie, come fly with me. Come fly with me, the Sports Illustrated edition, Michael Jordan's Playground, Michael Jordan's Airtime or Hangtime, whatever it was right. called. And then later, Michael Jordan to the max. And then NBA Superstars 1 and 2. Literally every NBA video that he was in, we like put our collections together and we would watch literally every day. This not, was like yeah, a this daily. Isn't, this isn't YouTube. These are just VHS tapes. VHS tapes. Yeah. And not only that, my buddy Charlie was so good at anytime games were on, he like recorded them wow. like manually or timed it. You know, he had like a fancier VCR where you could kind of schedule in tapes. Ooh. I didn't even have that. So he would literally bring them over. And this was like a daily ritual. We would watch music videos set to like his, his highlights. And so meeting someone that you've literally watched almost every day of your life. Right. And then him for the person now. And so I go up to him, you know, my girl's with me. I said, hey, Michael, my name is James. You know, I'm an actor on Heroes. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. It's, it's such an honor to be here. And thank you so much for hosting us for your generosity. And he was so gracious, you know. And I was like, this is my girlfriend, Lisa. And he's like, oh, this is my girlfriend, you know, so-and-so. You know, how you doing, love? And 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 just like, and we just talked for a bit. He's like, you're going to play? in the I was like, man, I don't play like you. I, I think I'm just going to hit the driving range and see if I could even, like, put together, you know, some sort of tools. Anyway, so I was like this. I was like, yeah, you know, you, I didn't know what to say, but I was like, just I'm like, having a, you're having an out of body experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm trying to be as articulate and just together as much as possible. And I keep it short and I say, thank you. And then I go back to my table and it doesn't even feel real for me. No. And, you know, that, that was the only and the last time I got to meet Michael in person. Um, but I could tell that he's generosity. And authenticity is real, you know. And he grew up in North Carolina. My wife is from Michigan. There's something about the Midwest. You know, you grow up in that family setting. You know, these people are sort of like the salt of the earth. You grow up learning certain etiquettes and how you relate to people. And I feel like really Michael really had that. Oh, absolutely. And you can't mask something different and project that for decades without it being uncovered, you know. So he, mm. he is the real deal. The real deal, for sure. Yeah. And look, that's not to say that he's not imperfect, right? Like, even throughout his career days, I know that he he was a great trash talker. Michael would use, anytime someone says something about him, he would kind of like, uh, I think the story is he would cut, cut out the article, put it on his locker, and use it as motivation, right? And he's had these moments where it didn't always necessarily rub people the right way. I mean, you're a perfect example, right? You grew up hating him because, you know, he was the rival of the He was Knicks. the enemy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Public enemy number yeah, one. Yeah, so, but what I loved about his journey is that he's been very human and it's really hard to live that out in front of the world. And he's really been able to do that. Now, of course, he also had to be incredibly private. I've, you know, heard interviews where, Sometimes it was really hard to be him. You know, you go and play in different cities and traveling around the world and you can't really leave your hotel room, right? And feeling isolated because you're so famous that you, you know what I mean? So, but all of that to me felt so human. And these are aspects that I feel like I relate to and have experienced in my own degree. And I think that's why so many people can relate to him from different, you know, levels of life. Were you scared to talk to him? Because I know I've had moments to meet heroes and yeah, I have to ask myself, maybe I shouldn't go up to them because I don't want the whole bubble to burst because you do have this, 
even though you know everything about him, there it's yeah. still based a little bit, right? When about your hero yeah. in fantasy, just a little bit, well, because you don't know them personally. Yeah. It's still the interviews they've had, the documentaries and stuff. So is there just a moment, or was it just no? I, I'm you were just so thankful. Yeah, that I, you I remember because I'm trying to recollect to, nice to, to to that night, and you're there. I don't think I was necessarily scared per se, but I I did have to kind of like have a courage to be like, you know what, I am gonna have even if it's short, a personal experience with him just because he's given me so much in terms of just entertainment, posters, moments, a lot of connection to my own life. That It's where, important for you to say thank you. Exactly, yeah. And especially being there and like the context of the circumstance. Yeah, you know, literally, like, thank you. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I would say there was like an easily a $10,000 trip that he wow. gifted to every single person participant that was there what there was at least 50 of us right some people didn't even play in the golf tournament they were just there to like literally enjoy bahamas you know and so i had to say thanks it's weird because i don't even normally like sometimes you know you fly on the plane and there's an actor there that you may admire but for me i'm not the one that feels like necessarily i have to go up to them and say i may even just appreciate them from afar because i really respect people's kind of privacy right or if they're just kind of in life i like respecting people's space and not everybody just wants to be approached all the time even if it's to say hey i loved you on this show and i appreciate your work now that may be my own thing because i know when people do that to me i always appreciate it mm -hmm. i always feel oh my god thank you so much for saying hello and and saying that to me but i think sometimes i've had my own resistance of like oh i don't want to bother that person or, you know what i mean but that moment with him, I felt invited by life to go and connect with him. I love that so much. Okay, so let me ask you this. <laughs> you you know that scene, and it's a great scene with Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire, where he's, I think it's Jerry Maguire, where he's playing the radio and he's trying to find that right song. And he's like, which song is gonna, he's he going to sing along to and which song is going to amp him up? And, and then he finds out uh, free find, falling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you need to amp yourself up, James, either for like an event or a big audition or whatever, do you do you put on Michael Jordan videos and watch them? Yeah, so it's crazy. You know how people, you know, listen to and look. I, growing up in New York, hip hop was my first love. So hip hop does have that effect on me if it's the right song or the right artist. But more so, what actually always amps me up the best is basketball highlights. And this continues until today, right? So I'm a huge NBA fan, right? So I'm always kind of, and it's not like I, I don't really sit down and watch games during the regular season, but now because we have the internet and YouTube, they they kind of put together these highlights for you every game. So every big game, you know, now. Oh yeah, living you, can in watch LA, whole, you can watch a whole game in three minutes. Now. Exactly, yeah. So Happily. now living in LA, you know, uh, and, and following the Lakers and the Clippers, you could watch these highlight clips of the entire games, yeah. right? right? And then they have, plays of the week and best plays of the month and, and all that stuff. And then once the playoffs come and then the finals, now I got to watch the finals depending on who's playing, right? So, but literally the way that I used to unwind, you know, after like long day on set or just like, you know, you come home and like everybody's gone to bed and it's like, you know, 10, 30, 11 p.m. I start watching NBA highlight clips and you would love amp me up so bad that I'm literally now starting to do moves in my own living room. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, literally watching a highlight, my body would move without even my consciousness and I'll bang into the ceiling or like bang into some kind of coffee table and I'm like literally riding on the floor by myself at like 12.30 in the morning. I'm such a jackass. But dude, there is nothing better than having that feeling of like adrenaline and amped up, whatever. That's a combination of like joy and adrenaline and like- Yeah, yeah. Get, being like, you know, in it. And like, I can totally see how that would work with, with I'm going to try basketball videos Yeah, now. yeah. Well, what, what I've had to learn is that I can't do that before going to bed because now it's going to take me another hour to just even like to try calm to down. settle yeah. down, right? So like, yeah, do it like during the day. Like before 20 milligrams of melatonin with every basketball video. Yeah, exactly. Video. You know, do it when I get up before workout or well, whatever. But is it a dunk? Is it a three-point shot? Like, because there's a lot of different highlights that i i enjoy you know like yeah. do you like a good half court like oh my gosh like I, what is it that you'll what is it or is it just like a I great love, slam i love all of it what i love is sequences that leads to a dunk or like a game-winning shot and i think this again the choreography comes, to get to that the ball of the hoop yeah. i think this is coming back to again the team dynamic right like for me so i didn't actually a good get, assist you like a good assist yeah yeah and i didn't get good at basketball 
So, you know, in high school, I started going out to that park and was just kind of, but I was like self-teaching at that point. So it wasn't until in my 20s where I actually got pretty good. And there were several years where I did play on a local level competitively. I played for a club team for YMCA and I'll go to these pickup games in LA and, you know, it, the competition level was pretty legit. And I played on a couple of USO tours where we played on a basketball team and we got to travel around the world, Italy and Hawaii, and play the official teams from the Army, Navy, the Marine Corps, Air Force. And one, one team we played were like the European champs. They were like super legit. Oh so they gosh. were like, just like literally like cream us, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but it was all for charity and it was, it was good fun. Again, it comes back to like the team dynamic. When I see sequences and I love playing point guard because I love passing the ball that like, I love an assist. Feeding, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I think that's what really attracts me about basketball, even more so than basketball and football. When you watch it, it's this unique team sport where there's both collaboration and individual artistry and expression. I find know? that with soccer too, to be true. Yes, yes. So The beautiful game. Yeah, and, and the pacing of the game. It, it really is a beautiful game. And I think it's the part of me that really loves being part of a team and longs to be a part of a team, which is also, I think, why I went into acting, you know, is because when you're on set for that, whether it's a week or month or five years, you're part of that team and everybody's bringing a different set of skill, whether you're special effects or props or visual art department, you know, where the writers, there's the coaches and the assistant coaches and there's the guy who's really good at post-up. There's a guy or gal that's really good at coming in and just scoring off the bench. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's, And this is why, you know, like even every superhero movie, you know, the Justice League, the Avengers, like when you see people with different gifts come together and then together they're able to either achieve something or create something by the alchemy of those gifts. I think that's what attracts me the most in life. I totally agree. I, I love that. Okay, so before we wrap it up, I wanna I've been thinking about this and and now I'm gonna put a scenario out to you. You can warp time so that you don't have to work in those constraints of people's actual age and lives. Michael Jordan, who are the four that he's gonna play with that are gonna create like the pinnacle team yeah, ever? Yeah, yeah, the greatest of all time. And I'm the gonna just project and say Phil Jackson's the coach because I think he's the best coach ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, and you gotta put Steve Kerr in there, maybe God, as maybe as the uh, assistant I love coach, him. you know. <laughs> um with MJ, I would say Magic. I would say it used to be Scottie Pippen, but I think LeBron, you know, now he's sort of become the Uber. Oh, you gotta take you gotta put him on the Yeah, yeah, top yeah, five yeah, exactly. You know, LeBron. Time. It's a power forward. Ooh, that's a, that's a really tricky one, you know? Tim, <laughs> Even Tim, though, Tim Duncan? Uh, Tim is up there. Carl Malone is up there. Larry Bird. I love Larry. Right? The Celtics, there was no better team in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because that yeah, was before the yeah. Bulls or the Knicks were really mm -hmm. coming yeah, into their own. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to take people within that era because obviously if Larry played today, right? Like the athleticism gap would be like really a lot. Yeah, but, but that's what but I'm saying. Exactly, you... like playing in, in that era and really being able to utilize different skills to become such an elite player and an MVP. And then as the center, you know, I mean, listen, you got Wilt and Kareem, but I would have to put Russell just because he really embodied the team spirit and this idea of, and he really played defense and focused on rebounding. You really have to have that element in your team. You can't have five MVPs, all scoring leaders. No. You know what I'm saying? So I think as a team, if that starting five is going to go all the way, you got to have someone like Bill Russell in there in the middle. That's a great five. I love it. So if you had, a, if you had to tell Claire and I and anyone listening the video that we have to start with for MJ... Ooh, uh, Whether I mean, it be it could be a clip, it could be the it could be Space Jam. What, one video. Yeah, I mean nowadays, if you go to YouTube, people have literally put like thousands of tribute videos, right, where they put the best of. But I think any, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes, any you know best highlight reel that you could kind of watch is a good, great place to start. The one that I love that I've seen is Michael Jordan to the max. It was actually so they did an IMAX film of him and this was oh, like cool. towards this was more towards the end of his career right so it was really kind of watching him sort of you know in the the, the later years and he's about to kind of finish his career with the bulls and he's reflecting on a lot of the philosophies and life lessons that he learned 
And the last line of the movie, he says, there will be someone greater. And I just thought that was such a graceful, profound, and profound in a way. way to leave because he knows he's the greatest, you know, of all time, arguably, and definitely up until that point. Now I'm sure when LeBron finishes playing, that that will be the conversation of kind of comparing those careers. But in my mind, he's always the GOAT, right? He's the greatest ever. But for him to say, yeah, there will be someone greater. Yeah. You know, people are, we're always kind of standing on the shoulders of our ancestors yeah. in, in a way. And so to me, that spoke of his humility and understanding that, that the game evolves, life evolves. There will be people who are better coming along. That's the whole point of it, right? Is to learn from, even as actors and performers, we learn from all the people who've contributed and have existed up until now. And, and we want to kind of continue to evolve the art form. You mm -hmm. know? No, so absolutely. This has been a really awesome conversation because I wouldn't initially think, oh, someone can be a fanatic about Michael Jordan. But I, I realized like I have such a love for him too. Mm. And through your passion, I'm reigniting my passion. I know, Claire. I'm like, I want to hear about, I'm going to do an I'm, interview with you about I'm Michael. I'm literally going to, when we're done with this podcast, I am literally going to watch some Michael Jordan videos and then I'm going to text you and tell yes. you, thank yes. you, thank you, thank you. Yes. No, this yes. is awesome. Yes, yeah, send me the link, whatever I you will, want. I will, I will. Sure get me amped up. Absolutely. I'm sure I watch it during the day. No, so James, you're amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I uh, mean, yeah, it, this really, was so much fun. I'm serious. I'm amped now. So <laughs> thanks, James. It yeah. was a slam dunk. Yeah, thank you. Claire, you know a lot about Michael Jordan and the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I was obsessed. I mean, James and I are not that far apart. You know, I I think to me, I love competition. I love sports. And I he's one of the most amazing athletes to ever live. And his basketball career in particular, that Bulls era with Phil Jackson coaching and Scottie Pippen and Steve Kerr and Dennis Rodman, it was just phenomenal. I mean, really, you know, the Lakers had a nice run, especially when Phil came over to coach them, but nothing like what we had going on in Chicago in that Michael Jordan number 23 era. So I, he's a huge inspiration in my life, you know? It's a dominance, just total dominance. Would you learn a sport the way James learned a sport for someone in your life that Heck you would love yes. to hang out with that you just be like, yeah, I totally will go to your thing with you. And of then would you, what, who would the person be? Of course, Michael would Jordan. Totally <laughs> I will learn any sport there is. I grew up <laughs> playing sports. My dad, um, I, I should rephrase that a little bit. I grew up around sports. My dad was the football and track coach. I, uh, was encouraged to try everything and do everything. I really, I don't think I ever found my niche in high school and junior high sports. I did cross country. I did the running part of track, you know, but with my kids, I really look to Michael Jordan as sort of an inspiration and a guide with how to raise young athletes. Two of them play club soccer at a very high level. One of them is in a conservatory dance program. All four on the swim team. They all four play, you know, softball, baseball on a, just a little league recreation level. And I I really feel it's so important to develop, you know, the athleticism of your kids or your uh, children, youngsters, the next generation, whatever you want to say, because it's something that can't really be taught later in life. Like you can't just all of a sudden in junior high or high school decide like, oh, I think I want to play soccer and then be competitive and then you know, unless you're Michael Jordan and it's baseball or golf <laughs> and, and then you can do whatever you want. But, you know, the fact is he's a phenomenal athlete who'd been training from a very, very young age intensely. And so with me, I want to open those doors for my kids when they're older, high school, college, after college, professional, possibly at this age, like I do take the training pretty seriously. And so do they, you know, and it's about that. It's about finding that balance as a parent from how to inspire and push versus like demand. You know what I mean? You are one pregnancy away from fielding a, a perfect five on five. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a good time today, guys. It was it was a beautiful time, uh, even though I am forever a Knicks fan through and through. And maybe maybe I'll have to just put a little bit of 
a little tiny drawer in my heart, I will say for Michael Jordan, just for the sheer inspiration that but he's But you know what? And... That's what's so great about this podcast. You went in thinking, eh, yeah, not really into it. And then you admit it. You James got you to love Michael Jordan. I like Michael no, I Jordan. think you love love. I Say it, David. Say it. Appreciate Michael Jordan. <laughs> I you know acknowledge what? We him, should, and I'm thankful for him. We should get together and watch the Gatorade game because if you haven't seen it, that is just like pure magical athleticism, and I I want to share that with you. <laughs> I like Mike. Okay, I like Mike. Uh, and we like you. And thanks for liking the podcast. As always, the likes and the subscribes and the follows and all the things. Uh, hearts taps. Guys, until next Thursday, all the love. I love you. Go watch some MJ videos. That's what I'm going to do. And before we go, next week, we have dropping into Fanatics, the fantastic and extremely creative director, Mike Mendez, personal friend of mine. Love him. You guys know uh, he's directed me in Grave Dancers and also Big Ass Spider. And also Tales of Halloween. And uh, he's done the recent Toys of Terror, which we talk about in the episode. Of course, if you know Mike, you know we're talking about mini action figures and toys and figurines and everything that is covering the entire wall, ceiling, floor, and every other surface available in his apartment. So make sure you drop in next week to talk about toys and figurines with the amazing director, Mike Mendez. We'll see you guys then. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's W-E-R-F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Colin Baker. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Boy, that's a lot. I might be a fan of Michael Jordan. What happened to me? Number what 23. To me? Number what 23. Number 23. Oh, I might be a fan of Michael fucking Jordan. Oh, what happened to me? Also 45. To me? Also 45. To me? Also 45. Do we remember that he was a Washington wizard? Mm, kind of. What happened to him? What happened to him? What happened to him? He missed the sorting hat. He did miss the sorting hat.